Good evening. Today is December 5th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is more about alcoholism, and our speaker tonight is Cody. Take it away, Cody. Thank you so much, Leslie. Thank you, Chanel. Let's get this timer started. Uh, I'm a compulsive overeater. I am a, a very specifically, I am a carbohydrate addict. Uh, my name is Cody Smith, and uh, I am abstinent and saved by the grace and mercy of a loving God. And uh, I really appreciate uh, being invited here to share uh, to share my recovery, to share uh, what what does it say? It says something about uh, we you know we share our 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 whatever what we know up to the up to our recovery. I can't I can't share you some with with you something I don't have, but um, but I do know also that uh, that the big book says uh, um, we hope our testimony will be so convincing that uh, no further authentication is necessary. You know, so so they're saying, like, hopefully you won't have to suffer the last 10 or 15 years of literal hell the rest of us went through. But I've been around long enough to to know better, you know, than to think someone is just going to, like, listen and take it and run because we we love to authenticate things, you know, and uh, so um I I'm just going to tell my story a little bit. I did go and read more about alcoholism today, and I could not identify more uh, the lengths that I went to to control and enjoy my carbohydrate consumption. You know, uh, I was I was in. Uh, well, I don't, I'm not going to jump that far ahead right away, but uh, I got sober. Um, I love fermented carbohydrates fully addicted put fermented carbohydrates in my body i'm off to the races um i had to get sober um they told me you know you have an allergy of the body it says in the book in our estimation any picture of the alcoholic which leaves out the physical component that's the allergy is an incomplete picture so i know what my allergy is you know i'm actually i'm actually allergic to carbohydrates before they're fermented you know like uh the great obsession of every abnormal eater carbohydrate addict is that somehow someday he will control and enjoy his carbohydrates is the great obsession right so um so i, I was in this place where i got sober and this lady she used to come and she used to talk about how difficult her first 10 years of sobriety were because she kept eating grains and sugar. And I it used, listen, it used to make me so angry. I'm here to get sober. I don't want to hear that crap, you know? And probably the third time I was ripping about it to my sponsor, he was like, you know, that really bothers you an awful lot. You might want to take a look at that, you know? And, uh, and I found out in the uh, in the 11th step, it says we have a spiritual axiom that any time I am disturbed, it's because there's something wrong with me. 
And so after doing a little bit of uh, inventory, it was like, hey, dude, you know, you're 75 pounds overweight. You've been battling this food thing your whole life. Now you're sober. You know, maybe God didn't just get you sober to leave you there, you know, and let you die from this food thing. So um, I didn't know what to do, you know. And so apparently this lady did, she had what I wanted and I was willing to go to any lengths to get it. And uh, she happened to be a member of a, of another 12 step food fellowship called gray sheet. And, um, and I, I followed that program uh, for, well, two, two weeks before my uh, five year uh, anniversary, you know, of uh, we write, we weigh and measure three meals a day off the gray sheet. We write it down. We don't eat in between. And, uh, you know, we, we write it down, turn it into our sponsor. Don't eat in between meals, no matter what. And abstinence is the most important thing in my life. That was like my mantra, you know? And, um, I, you know, I thought I made it. I thought that was the deal. And, uh, you know, it turns out <clears throat> I might've been one of those guys, uh, well, listen, I could give you a lot of theories on why I um, I relapsed, you know, but um, today I don't necessarily think I did relapse. I don't think I was ever actually abstinent, you know, because on that meal plan, I was allowed to eat a lot of carbohydrates, you know. I was eating a lot of apples and I was eating a lot of butternut squash and I was eating a lot of things that were keeping that allergy alive in me. And it was only a matter of time because, you know, the way I understand the allergy is, you know, you light a fuse. It might be a short fuse. It might be a five year long fuse. But you put the you put the allergic substance. I put I put the allergic substance in my body, and at some point that bomb is going off. You know, the big book says all of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, or in my case, five years long, were inevitably followed inevitably followed by a still worse relapse, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. So like I could work the 11 steps, you know, till I'm blue in the face. If I haven't worked the first step, if I don't have a first step experience with my, uh, you know, uh, substance of no choice, that thing that I'm powerless over, you know, which by the way, like, there are only three carbohydrates, you know, the little science lesson, there's three carbohydrates, there's sugar, there's starch, and there's fiber, fibers insoluble, we all know what that makes up, I'm going to tell you, I am not allergic to fiber, you know, I never binged on tree bark, that's just not my jam, you know, and so then there's sugar, and there's starch, and all starches, if you look at it under a microscope, it's a whole bunch of linked sugars so there's like sugar there's linked sugars and then there's fiber you know so uh it just it just uh, you put sugar in any form in my body and i'm just off to the races you know or 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 maybe it'll take five years but at some point like this this thing's a powder keg just waiting to explode so uh and you know that makes out that makes uh overeaters anonymous uh, kind of difficult because 
there's so many different types of of overeaters, compulsive eaters, undereaters, anorexics, bulimics. Like it could be really difficult to find, you know, it was like easy in AA. You know what I mean? Like the pro like we have a common problem and a common solution, but you know, it's like not necessarily a common like I have a friend who eats tree bark. Like I have a friend in Overeaters Anonymous and she's more of a compulsive behavior, you know, and she just needs to chew on things. And like, that's not, that's like a different deal. I couldn't help that person because I don't know. I don't identify. I mean, if you're a carbohydrate addict, I can help you up to my level of experience, right? So I think the identification piece is really important. And then it's like, I love how you guys do the whole word changing, word replacing thing. Cause I, op I open up, uh, you know, to more about alcoholism, which is kind of a, it's kind of a step two chapter, right? It's like, uh, we think we could help a lot if we talk about like the mental state that precedes the insanity of the first bite, like the different ways I talk myself into why this time is going to be different, why this, why, why this time um, I might be able to control and enjoy it. But I love, I love this. Uh, here are some of the methods we have tried. Oh my God. The methods I have tried to control and enjoy my carbohydrates, you know, like I'm only going to bring this much of it into the house. I'm going to weigh and measure how much carbohydrates I'm going to eat. You know what I mean? Like that is, that is freaking hilarious. You know, like I used to do that with my beer. It's like, I'm only going to drink cups this size. You know what I mean? Oh my goodness. Not having it in a house, not, not eating it in the morning, only eating it in the morning, only having it on the weekends, only having it at dinner parties, only having it when they bring it into the office, only having it when somebody invites me to a party, only having it on birthdays, only having it on anniversaries. Like, do you know the number of, the number of ways that I tried to control and enjoy, uh, you know, my carbohydrate consumption? It says we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were, in my case, an alcoholic. You know, I lived this whole long life where I was not an alcoholic and I was drunk the whole time, you know? And now I've been living this life uh, a little over three years now. I've been living this life as a carbohydrate addict and I've been abstinent the whole time. You know, it's like, it's almost, there's, it's almost like belief, you know, like, whatever I move out, whatever belief I move out into the world from is, is really going to, uh, it's going to have consequences, you know, Cho choices have consequences, right? So, so you can choose your own, whatever, you know, and, and the proof, like the results are going to prove whether or not that was a good choice, you know, like, like I tried for a long time to believe that I could eat apples. You know what I mean? And I would go out and, and they told me that I was allowed. They told me I was allowed. 
And so every I'd go and they said, go shop and go find the biggest and the best. Man, I'd spend an hour and a half driving around to different grocery stores looking for the biggest and the best apples. Do you know that one large Honeycrisp apple has more sugar than three Hershey's bars? I know it's being recorded, that long pause, right? But like, that's like, I mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, for me, like, but that, but they didn't understand my problem. You know what I mean? They didn't understand that I was a carbohydrate addict. You know, they didn't understand that, that anyways. So it goes on to talk about the kinds of thinking uh, that precede the first drink. Um, it talks about the guy who thought that after, after taking time off for a long period of time, like then he'd be able to drink normally, then he'd be able to eat normally. And I, and I really like, here's the thing uh, that program, you know, of weighing, of writing it down, weighing and measuring, turning it into my sponsor. I lost 75 pounds. You know what I mean? Like I returned to a healthy body weight. I, I got so good. You have no idea. You weigh and measure three meals a day on the scale. You get so good. I mean, I could pull out a six ounce chunk of meat, like with, like within like a 16th of an ounce. Like, like I thought I knew a lot about portion control, you know, like I know what a normal portion looks like. Like I don't need the scale anymore. You know, like I can do this on my own. And uh, listen, when I, and, and so when I left, I mean, I went and had corn chips and guacamole and guess what? The wheels didn't fall off of my life right away. It, it took like, Four years for the pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization um, to give me that gift of desperation once again. So I had almost five years. I don't even like to call it abstinence, even though it fit the bill, because I know today that it was just a period of control. You know, so how do, how do I? So so I was like, I'm stuck with this question. I've been I've been kicking it around. Like, how do I know? How do I know if I'm abstinent or if I'm just in a period of control? I, you know, and I've, I've talked to a bunch of people about it and I've gotten a lot of different answers. I think the real answer is I don't know. Only time will tell, right? Because I believe abstinence is permanent, you know, and uh, anything else is just a period of control that is going to end. And I, I don't think abstinence will. So I, I mean, this is just a working theory that I have. I could, I could, I could be in the food tonight, you know, and uh, who knows, but I'm pretty confident, you know, like I'm pretty confident, not in myself, you know, but in the God that's doing this for me, you know, I mean, that, that whole surrendering to God deal. Five minutes, Cody. Thank you so much. Um, that's that's pretty important. I mean, they they talk a lot about all the things um, that have been taken from us, you know, by the food. It's like you took this, 
you took my, you know, you took my uh, athletic career, you took my self-esteem uh, in, in, in sixth grade at the sixth grade graduation, you know, you, you know, the food made me wear a t-shirt into the swimming pool when there was young girls, I would have liked to impress, you know, and it was like, I mean, it, it just started taking at such a young age, you know, and it's like, but I'm going to give you one more chance, you know, you've taken all this stuff, but I'm going to give you one more chance. You know, I don't know. There's just a couple more things that I, that I read today uh, when I was going over this that I thought were very important to touch on. Um, you know, they, it says in here, uh, many doctors and psychiatrists agree with our conclusions one of these staff, one of these men, staff member of a world-renowned hospital, recently made this statement to some of us. What you say about the general hopelessness of the average carbohydrate addict's plight is, in my opinion, correct. As to two of you men whose stories I have heard, there is no doubt in my mind that you were 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Had you offered yourselves as patients at this hospital, I would not have taken you uh, if I had been able to avoid it. People like you are too heartbreaking. Though not a religious person, I have profound respect for the spiritual approach in such cases as yours. For most cases, there is virtually no other solution. Once more, the carbohydrate addict at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first bite, except in few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. So I can know all I want about my substance of no choice I can know all I want about the obsession of the mind that is going to follow once I put down my substance of no choice. But if I don't surrender, you know, to God and invite God in on a daily basis, I roll out of my knees every day and it's like sobriety, abstinence, please bring me uh, to the people whom I can help. And please bring the people to me who can help me because I got a blind spot. I can see your character deep. Like, like my son, my 12-year-old son loves to scare my wife and he hides around the corner and I know he's there and she doesn't. I know she's about to scream. She has no idea. And character defects are like that, you know? It is so easy for me to see yours, but I can't see mine. So I need people, you know, who have experience. It's like the same thing. Like I need people who have experience with my specific substance of no choice you know, carbohydrates who have been down that road. And I need, I need people 
who have struggled in their relationships with their wives the way I have, or who have struggled raising children the way I have, who have struggled with, you know, pride and like, you name it. I need people who are able to see it um, much better than, than I can see it. So I've, I've incorporated that into my prayer, not just that God bring me to the people whom I can help, but that God brings me the people who, who can help me, you know? And uh, the third step says, uh, take away my difficulty that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. So that's what I'm here doing because I am powerless over carbohydrates. My life is unmanageable. And yet through surrendering to, to doing his work well, you know, I've been given this unbelievable freedom and I, I wish it for all of you. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Cody. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question of our speaker, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in order, and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the speaker to answer. Okay, I see some hands. Thank you so much, Chanel. And uh, Amy, are you gonna unmute? She did, I missed it. That was my fault. Okay, I thanks Chanel Amy. Again. Thank you. This is Chanel again. I'm still a compulsive eater and I'm grateful. And thank you, Cody. And, you know, I was just talking with someone today. It was one of those major outreach days. Lots of sponsee calls, lots of, you know, talk to my sponsor, just lots of outreach with other fellows. And I love that. And I didn't used to. Okay. I didn't want to have to talk to any of you. No, no, mm -mm. no. I just wanted my food. And I wanted to be left alone most of the time. That's really what I wanted. And then I was lonely and wondered why. But anyway, that's off topic. What I wanted to ask you, Cody, is maybe this isn't true for you. I like to go, I do not identify as an alcoholic, but I like to go to open AA meetings. And I was talking to a fellow and she said, she did too, does too. And she said, it feels life or death with them. Feels like they see it as life or death. And she said, too often, oh, hey, I don't feel like people see it as life or death. Well, I know it is for me, for Chanel. It is life or death. I have to be here. I don't. I know I have more relapses in me. Sure, I could easily do that. But I don't know if I have more recoveries in me. I have no idea how long it would take me to get back. You said four or five years. That scares the heck out of me. And it, it also encourages me that recovery is a gift. And that I need to do some work and I need to surrender to my higher power every day. And I'm just wondering if you see anything like that, well, you know, with the urgency, do you see, do you see it um, more in your life now for OA than it used to be? 
I don't know. My my question's all over the place. Do with it what you will. Thanks. So let me let me make sure I understand. Are you asking are you asking me how how I look at it or are you asking me like based on the fact that I'm in both places are you asking me about what I see between like the two fellowships as a whole like differences between how they're approached to the two okay uh so so yes i mean i've i've um you know i'm i'm aware of people overlapsing or or overdosing and dying in the bathroom stall at the meeting that night you know so as far as like uh the life or death urgency um yes i think it's clearly uh more prevalent in aa you know um and from and from where i sit listen there's a there's a lot of relapse and even in aa but from where i sit I mean, there's so much more relapse in Overeaters Anonymous. I mean, I I, I almost feel like, um, well, I mean, this is, listen, this is just my view. And you asked my view. I think that there are, I think there is a huge demographic of people uh, in Overeaters Anonymous who who have just, settled for what I call day count abstinence, you know, 19 years. I've been here for 19 years and I have 30 days, you know, I've been here for 27 years and I have 30 days. And I think all of that is very indicative of not having a first step experience because there are chapters in the big book that say that make it very clear like don't you shouldn't even be working with someone if they haven't convinced you that they want to quit for good and for all and that they and that they know they must stay sober they must stay abstinent for the rest of their lives one day at a time because if you're working with somebody like that, you're wasting your time and you're, you're, you know, you're robbing somebody else. I mean, it says nobody's too discredited if they mean business. But I mean, the first step experience is I am powerless over X. And I, I don't, I don't, I think ever, I think most people, and one of the reasons why I so specifically talk about my food, is that my time? Yeah is because I think a lot of people won't talk about their food because they want to guard it and protect it. Thank you very much, Cody. Uh, Jan? Hello, this is Jan. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Cody. You're scaring me. Um, let me tell you why. So I have a question. Um, I was on this no car low carb thing uh for a long time and i finally broke down and went to a nutritionist 
who works with people almost exclusively in OA, one of the recommended ones. And I didn't want to, but I did it because I was completely powerless and wanted to stop for good. But she added a half cup of carbs every day to my food plan, and I've been eating it. You're scaring me. Like, I'm scared to death of relapsing. So my question is, how did you know that you were, you couldn't eat that stuff? She helped me get to where I was weighing and measuring, which is good. I needed that for sure. I needed those limits. But now I'm scared of these carbs that she told me my body needed. I mean, I don't know when I'll get back if I relapse. Thanks. You could answer that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's kind of three parts to that. I mean, first of all, I do believe that this is a spectrum disorder. And like, you know, somebody who's allergic to peanuts, like I got one buddy who's allergic to peanuts. And if he eats a bunch of them, his mouth gets itchy. And then I know that there are people out there who, uh, excuse me, I'm drinking seltzer water. Um, uh, if they're like on an airplane where a bag of peanuts is opened, like they'll go into anaphylactic shock, you know, so same, same allergy, uh, but two different extremes. And I just, um, I, my experience, you know, looking back, uh, it says we, you know, soberly analyzing our behavior, we call them like relapse autopsies or whatever. Um, for me, it's always, it's always been, you know, after those certain substances. Now, uh, the other thing is that the big book is founded on the doctor's opinion, a doctor who says, I can't help you. And I know that conventional wisdom says, you know, you got you got to build your, you know, nutrition plan off of the food pyramid, which is, uh, you know, based on whole grains and, and whatnot. And uh, my problem is when I ate based off of the food pyramid, I ended up looking like the food pyramid. And so when I turned the food pyramid upside down, I ended up looking like an upside down food pyramid, you know, not to mention my blood pressure was fixed. I got off of, uh, you know, um, uh, HCTZ, like I got off of med medications that I was prescribed, you know, all my cholesterol straightened out. And so there are, uh, there are nutritionists and doctors um, out there. I could give you names um, of people who specialize in carbohydrate addiction. And so like, that's a thing. If you go to a normal nutritionist, they're going to treat you like a normal person, you know, and they're going to say, well, you know, eat all things in moderation. And if they're telling you to do that and you're allergic to one of the things that they're telling you to eat in moderation, you know, I had a doctor who I was taking, when I got sober, I was taking a medication and I was like, I need to be substance free. And I said, can I stop taking this? And he was like, yeah, you know, you could stop taking that, but maybe you want to take this instead, you know? And like, he just wasn't going to advocate for me and I got a new doctor, you know? So there are people out there um, in the nutritional medical uh, field who specialize in carbohydrate addiction. So um, I'd say though, that if you're going into a, into a cave, 
that you've never been in before, make sure you got a rope tied around your waist and to someone real close. So if you get lost, they can pull you out, you know, stay close, stay accountable. Time. Thank, Thank you. you, Cody. Stacy. Thanks. Hi, I'm Stacy. I'm a compulsive reader. Cody, thank you so much. Um, I just wanted to say hello. I usually don't speak at meetings that much. I'm trying to speak more. Um, identified with so many things that you said. Um, in particular, I was in program for a long time. And I used to think if I had one of something, I would eat a million. I would never stop. For 18 years, I didn't have any refined sugar. And then I brought it back. And I found that I wasn't eating a million. You know, like I would have once in a while and I thought, gosh, like I was so afraid for all this time. I was brainwashed by OA and it was fine. Well, it was fine for a while. <laughs> it was fine for a while. And then that while became shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. And then, you know, I was really back to my old behaviors, never quite to the same extreme because I was older and had experience in OA, but certainly completely, completely beyond my control whatsoever. And I came back to program about three years ago and I would get 30 days and I'd lose it again. And, and, you know, somebody asked, asked about, is this life or death? Like I was never morbidly obese. So I didn't think I was going to die of high blood pressure or diabetes. So I didn't look at this as life or death. I didn't because for me, it's not physical life or death, but it's the other part of that dash that my life had become unmanageable. That's, that's the reason I came back. I wasn't going to die of diabetes, but like I was a crazy person, really unhappy about certain things. And I, and I, I was trying to control everything and I was afraid of everything. And I was humiliated because I just couldn't stop eating these certain things. And it was just so shameful. And I, I didn't know what else to do. So I came back and um, I, I can't tell you why I'm 90 something days abstinent now, like 96 or 97 days. And, and I'm so grateful. And it's not, it's not me. It, it really isn't like, I, I don't know why I've been graced with this, but I'm holding on to it and I'm doing everything that I'm told. Um, you know, I really, really, really got this time. Food is not my problem. Food was my solution. I heard other people say that, but I really didn't get it. But I really, really get it's nothing about the food. It's how I manage my life. So I went through the steps. I'm now doing 10 and 11 steps. I don't like them at all. I don't like doing a nightly review. I don't want to call people. And I would like end the rest of the day and then realize I was upset about things and I never did a nightly review, uh, a 10 step, I mean, you know, but now like it's infiltrating. Like I remember, oh gosh, I'm really upset. Maybe I'll try a 10 step, you know, and um I don't want to do a review at the end of the night. I'm exhausted, but I'm doing it anyway. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just doing it bit by bit because I feel like I have been graced right now. I am free of the obsession of food. My clothes fit me comfortably. I, I, I'm like, I could do the happy dance over all that. And, you know, I really could. And that's just like, you know, so I'm doing the 10th and 11th now because now I want to learn how to live in sobriety. Like that's the big challenge now, how to live sober. So um, that's that's what I'm doing. And I take baby steps and I'm doing the best I can. And um, I'm really grateful to be here. And I'm really happy to hear you and to see everybody at this meeting. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stacy. We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Would the Zoom host please stop the recording?